0: If you ever wanted to start your own podcast, have you ever had a thought in your head and you just felt the entire world needed an opportunity to hear your thoughts and all that kind of great stuff? Well, if so, let me tell you a little bit about Anchor Podcasting. It is the easiest platform I have found to make a podcast. They have editing tools, episode creation tools, there's even a green room function. Check it all out. On top of that, they even distribute the whole thing for you for free. The entire thing is free. You can get on to Apple Podcasts, you can get on Spotify Podcasts, which are, you know, the two that I find get the most traction. And then you get Stitcher and all kinds of other stuff, Black Box, What Box, and all the other boxes that I'm not familiar with. If you are interested in making your own podcast right now, download the Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Welcome back to the Ghost Court Magazine Podcast. I'm your host, OJ
1: today's episode, Duncan Evans speaks with the one and only fellowist extraordinaire, Jo Quayle. All about her new single and recent EP she dropped this year. Check it out.
0: Welcome to the Ghost Cult Magazine podcast. I'm Duncan Evans and I'm here with Joe Quayle, electric cellist, prog rock, heavy metal, experimental composer, musician, powerhouse. How are you doing today, Joe? <laughs> well,
1: I'm, I'm really great after that introduction. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm grand, thank you. I've just, just finished my set and uh, it's a pleasure to be chatting with you in, in, you know, quite a nice, we have some nice seats here. It's a little bit quiet and so I'm very happy.
0: Excellent. Yeah, I forgot to say we're here at Arc Tangent Festival. Um, so you played about an hour ago. And what's your set? It was phenomenal. Loads of people there getting right into it. So um, how's the festival going for you? How was your set from your point of view? Uh,
1: well, it's a very, very nice festival. I've always had a real place in my heart for Arc Tangent. And today um, it was a very nice gig. It was main stage, um, midday. So that's quite an unusual time. You you never quite know how people, will be um, and they were uh, wonderful <laughs> wonderful audience You yeah, know, very very enthusiastic and then also I mean really respectful it's a, I like to, to use a lot of dynamic variety in, in my sets and also I think it's quite nice because then it makes everybody else heavier doesn't it you know if you have a bit of uh, fluidity there but yes it, it was great so the festival has been great um, prior to this I've been touring with Emma Ruth Rundle so uh, I've been playing very different sets on that uh, for for that uh, because it just feels uh, it's nice to have these seated audiences it's nice for me to be able to explore some of the more contemporary music side of things but today was uh, one of the sort of heavier sets so I enjoyed it
0: (laughs) Fantastic well yeah I I saw your set uh, with Emma about a week ago in Leeds at the Brood Now so I noticed today was quite different Um, I also noticed when you were on stage in Leeds you were talking us through how you were changing the set list in your mind you were like I've decided to change this song to that song so I wondered how spontaneous those sorts of decisions are, both in terms of the set and your actual improvisation in the music and whether that feeds off the audience's energy or how, how that is, like how planned it is and how improvised it is, basically.
1: It's, uh, I mean, it, it, it's the, to, to plan to alter my set is not something I ever start to do. You know, I, I usually go to the stage with the set in mind. But because I have quite a large repertoire of pieces and I know... Uh, where all my sounds are and where the pedal settings are. Hopefully, um, I, I can do that. So, if, if, for example, it seems that people are very uh, interested in uh, the end of Rex, which is quite heavy and quite open and big, then maybe I will think about swapping something else out. Um, but I never ever prejudge the audience, and this is something that I've learned very much with, uh, well, throughout my career. But it's also particularly um, with this tour with Emma. So I've I have been playing pieces like Between Two Waves, which are largely solo, um, and Vigil, which is a meditation, very quiet meditation, to churches full of metal fans, you know, and it's great, and it works well, so it just goes to show, I mean, everybody, these people who come to these types of concerts, very broad minded, very, very nice people to play for, so it's just nice to have a bit of fluidity in yeah, what we do, you know.
0: Totally, totally. And I've noticed um, that you've said a couple of times when I've seen you that like certain bits went wrong, I didn't go right <laughs> and to be honest I don't think anyone notices but like because I guess using loops sometimes maybe you're just kind of committed to something and then you realise you've done it slightly out of time or whatever so how how do you deal with that? Do
1: you know it's really weird actually because today I played I started my set with a piece called Stag which has evolved really greatly since I first began uh, since I first began to write it then I put it on five incantations uh, and then you know, so the piece is, is that uh, oh, oh not new piece but what happens is you get very used to, um, I mean, I deal a lot with polyrhythms anyway with looping, and then you get very used to where a beat is gonna come in. And it doesn't matter if, if it's different, you know, to, for the whole for the whole piece, but it matters to me because I use that beat as a trigger for something else. And even if, you know, say for example, it's a silly example, but I play a beat, uh, a percussive beat on beat two instead of beat three it doesn't affect the structure of the piece, but it, 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 I have lost my trigger points because I'm very used to playing in this way. So today uh, I looped an extra round of beats in, which uh, then yeah. temporarily, well, it didn't throw me. I mean, obviously I carried on playing the piece, but I was doing a lot of mental gyrations as I was playing to think, right, what am I getting, what do I have to do? I know in about sort of eight rounds time, something isn't going to work. So how am I going to, uh, you know, deal with that at the same time as playing the rest of the piece? <laughs> <laughs> but i like it duncan you know keeps me on my toes <laughs>
0: oh to- totally no it's an amazing experience i mean i noticed today like um because i was almost in the sweet spot between the the two speakers i noticed how much stereo stuff yeah. was going on so is that all done by you on yeah. stage with the pedals yeah. wow yeah. and you're kind of controlling that live as we hear yeah. it
1: yeah 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 Wow, yeah, it's pretty cool so sometimes i just now i use the boss rc600 which is the new uh flagship loop station from boss and i'm very lucky to be working with them and beta testing it and it's a great bit of kit now it has six channels so prior to that I was always working with the 300 which has three channels so In order to create some of those stereo effects, I then turned my attention. I could send one loop left, one loop right, and one loop down the centre, but that wasn't enough when I only had the 300s. So a lot of what you're talking about, I do from the black pedal, the GT100. So basically, I, f- I make it send, it thinks it's sending uh, only to the left or right channel, So I, I, and then I control it on a foot switch. So that, and in that way, I was able to then effectively split a single loop channel left and right according to what went in there and that's what you're hearing you know
0: right it's intricate stuff so like how many pedals do you actually have i wonder like do you know is there a number do you have like 10 20 or how many do you have there on your pedal box?
1: well actually i've only got two so wow uh, okay right wow the the rc600 loop station and the gt100 which is a (laughs) multi-effects
0: Right. Uh, for me,
1: the multi-effects, uh, it's a brilliant pedal anyway, but it's very important because sometimes when I make, you know, some of my uh, more sort of abstract sounds, experimental sounds, um, they happen because I've changed the, the the signal
0: chain. Right.
1: Which you can't do with separators, Um you know, so. Totally. Yeah.
0: All at the same time. Yeah, yeah uh, no, no, absolutely. <laughs> cool. No, it's really interesting to hear the sort of how, how that works from, from your sort of almost uh, backstage, yeah, behind, the, yeah, scenes behind the scenes point of view. Yeah, That's the, the word I'm looking for. Yeah. So I wanted to take things right back because so you're influenced by such a diverse range of music. I know you've mentioned like uh, Debussy, Arvo Pert, contemporary classical composer, um, like Tool, Cardiacs, like all this rock music. So obviously you played cello, um, but you kind of operate in the rock world or even the metal world, so I wondered how that actually happened in terms of your own development as a as a musician and as a music fan. How how did you come to uh, put together all these diverse influences and become?
1: Well, I don't know because I never really thought about it. It wasn't a conscious decision. I mean, I I grew up and with classical music and playing the cello, you know, and I've always loved that. But for me, uh, there was always the most enormous weight and power in. Late Beethoven Symphony, or um, uh, *Tormas Curse Upon Iron*. You know, some of these types of incredible pieces of music, which belong, if you like, in a concert hall. No reason on earth why they couldn't also be played at Art Tangent But that's, the, the, you know, the, the, that's they belong to that side of the music. Um, so that that was my definition of heaviness if you like Um, metal I mean I'm you know I I grew up uh, in the 80s so I have a soft spot always for Judas Priest Wasp and yeah yeah. and and so those sounds were quite natural to me you know I like the heaviness I like the riffs um, but I never set out to say "Oh, I'm going to play you know metal cello I just happen to really like particular overdrives that I've made and the interesting thing though is that when you play it on a cello um, rather than a guitar the strings behave very differently and because of the bow on the strings as well you get a lot more of the harmonic series that comes out so then you start to get very interesting things which are technically wrong in inverted commas because the notes break but actually then you've got this sound world you know um, and I don't know I mean it's it's fascinating to me but the combination of the two I, I have never seen it as combining I just see it as
0: music that's sure you know Yeah, no, absolutely. So, I mean, do do you see yourself in any way, do do you see it as maybe almost a challenge? Like, right, I'm going to play for a metal audience and I'm going to introduce them to some music that maybe isn't what they might be so used to like do you see it as almost educating the audience a bit or do you not think about that
1: no because I think that they uh, have the, the, all of the education that they need and they are also I mean particularly metal audiences extraordinarily broad minded as I said before and, and they, they will uh, give you chapter and verse uh, at the bar afterwards on all sorts of, of, of classical music that I don't know anything about I learned so much I mean I can answer that more uh, if you want to talk about the cartographer because that was uh, the commission for Roadburn.
0: Go for it! Yeah, go so,
1: for it. So, uh, what Road Roadburn commissioned me to write a piece of music uh, exploring heaviness prevalent in classical music. Right. So this is really, I think, what what th- this answers your question much better because that I, I wrote a piece then for uh, eight trombone players, two orchestral percussionists, piano, male and female vocal, me on cello and violin. Um, uh, my friend on violin, conductor, obviously. Um, and this was all about how the, the intention of the compositional intention being heaviness mm-hmm. and that's way to music and so there's areas in that where it's very very contemporary music you know it's quite as aleatoric writing There's bits where one of the singers I said to her you know sing a star like the violin player Danielle I said you, you play from any of these notes um, but to, you know you must uh, play like a bird um, the, 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 the percussion had sometimes direction that um, you are now at the bottom of the sea you know and that's the improvisation I want so in that sense that's kind of fairly you know solid contemporary Music, classical music. But using then these players to play these absolutely massive riffs on the trombones, you know, big big, slow, heavy, big, tam-tam concert bass. We combine then. And so what happens is people will people will trust, you know, they trust and they will, will start off with this, you know, sort of a, a drone thing and it's all very atmospheric. And then I will move it slowly into these other worlds. But then every now and then there will be this thing that could be hold on to, you know. Uh, and, and so if you give something to hold on to,
0: people will walk with you. So how, how important is music theory for you? I, I presume you've got kind of a bit of a classical background with your training with music theory. And like, as a musician myself, I'm hearing things on stage. I was noticing a whole tone scale bit today and things like that. Yeah. Is that really important to you to work in those ways? Or do you sometimes just throw that out the window and just work with whatever feels right? Well,
1: it's an interesting question. I mean, personally, to me, uh, it is important because uh, I use this you know, theory. It also just makes life quicker. But there are... Many wonderful, wonderful musicians who, who don't have this theory and they just do everything by ear. It's just great, you know. But where it's interesting for me at the moment is I'm working on a little project with where I ask uh, singers to send me one minute of improvised vocal, a cappella vocal oh, wow. on their phone, and I make pieces of music out of it. And now what I'm doing is working a lot with uh, like microtonal uh, and also non non uh, standard kind of concert pitch stuff. Yeah. Um, almost
0: like Steve Reich a Different yeah, Trains ex- piece where he's notating like what people have said precisely yeah. mm. yes
1: yes exactly and then the movement of these of the microtones then, and that's the sort of thing that isn't at the moment so good to put on stage because it has to be very well done it's more yeah. for a concert hall I think but but when you start to, to move and because uh, I know it's microtones I don't think it's therefore out of tune <laughs> you know so I suppose in that sense it's, very, yeah, it's a fairly basic approach to, to music theory but but I, I, I do think it's, uh, for me, it's very useful just to be able to sort of... And also the session work I do as well. I mean, sure, quite sure. often I go into a studio where... And, and I haven't heard the track before, but I can, uh, it, after speaking with the artists, I can imagine what we're likely to be doing and, you know, where we're going. And I'm very quick then, obviously, to, to sort out their harmonic progression so I can hopefully not screw up whatever I'm doing for them, you know? <laughs> yes,
0: yeah. No, that's great. So I noticed you don't... Read from notation on stage, but do you no. actually write out your own compositions in notation?
1: Yeah, some, right. I mean, I've got quite a few like actual solo cello pieces uh, between two waves and then hidden forest stuff like that, which I've actually notated out. And I'm going, I'm planning to make sheet music available, right? If anybody wanted it for whatever reason. The cartographer was, notate, was notated because it was a 45 minute piece, so we had to, to know. Um, when I'm starting to work, quite often I'll work at piano and and I, I I write with a pen on manuscript paper, and then afterwards. A if I need to, I'll transfer it to Dorico. But um, I'm actually a big fan of a pen and a bit of paper.
0: Yeah, yeah no, no, fantastic. Yeah. Um, so I know, as, as you understand, you're, you're involved in music education as yeah. well as am I. As it happens, and I, I wondered how how you feel about the, the state of music education. Whether you feel like anything needs to change in terms of, like maybe influencing people to take up a wider variety of instruments or to be exposed to more different yeah. styles of music or to, to introduce classical music to a wider audience um,
1: yeah I mean it's good well unfortunately I mean the starting point would be the government's attitude to culture and arts sure. you know that would be the greatest bit of education I could ever wish for in this country but beyond that I mean uh, I think it's quite important that people are exposed to all sorts of music um, and uh, like at my daughter's school they have uh, people coming from you know with, with all, all sorts of different um, uh, global backgrounds playing playing uh, music drum music Irish music African drumming circle so, you know all sorts of different things and that's very important because it just broadens the people's people's uh, idea of, of what what is music and what you know for me now I mean I, I teach cello a bit but mainly I'm involved I um, think space education so I'm a tutor on uh, for people who are taking uh, their master's in either media composition or sing songwriting music production and there we have students who haven't an enormous different background you know huge and so actually all of all of the students are, are educating the tutors at the same time so we, you know we, we, so it, it's a that's the thing with education it needs to be uh something in, in my opinion uh it's a joint uh discovery path of discovery it's a joint voyage together it's not you don't open someone's head and then tip knowledge it you know you, you it's a path you take together and that's when it's really enriching and fulfilling and that's when you hear things you wouldn't have heard otherwise i
0: think so yeah no fantastic so um, back to the tour with, with Emma Ruth Rundle um, I know, I know you've, you've built up quite a sort of re- working relationship with Emma you know um, you've played on each other's music things like that um, so I know you've been playing in really intimate settings and Emma's been playing a very very stripped back solo set and when I saw your set about a week ago whenever it was yours was kind of a bit more maybe mellow yeah. perhaps slightly less of the big big yeah, yeah. sound a bit less looping and stuff so yeah I wonder Wondered how how's that been, and has it ever has it ever kind of not worked? Where the um you know the intimate music's just fallen a bit flat, or how how have you found it and the audience reaction and working with Emma and the whole thing? It's
1: been wonderful. (laughs) It's been absolutely wonderful. Working with Emma is the greatest privilege, anyway. She's an absolutely magnificent artist, and her performances night after night are so uh uh, is the most pure performance you can see. You know, And, and and she's very humble. Um, and then she sits down and absolutely just pulls from depths of the soul you know it's absolutely incredible and when I was planning my support set for her I wanted to do something which would open a space for that um um, she's obviously she's she's so majestic as she is. I don't have to worry about any or like like her playing too big or anything. That's not the thing here, you know. She she is the queen. Um, but I wanted to make sure that my pieces were the right ones. And interestingly, when when it was first, because it's been rescheduled a few times, the first one of the first reschedules would have been directly before I'd done the Amanrata so I would have had to have completely change the set. So at, at one point, I was planning a completely acoustic. change Cello, uh wow. the unlooped support set. wow and and that that also would have worked but as it was i had the space and i decided that this was a space where i wanted to play um tracks like between two waves you know as i mentioned to you before things which i've Put very much more into the contemporary music, uh, Radio Three, like it, mm-hmm. that kind of track, you know, and it and it it works well, and people have come because they know Emma with all had previous bands, they know me from like crashing about, you know, on metal tours and things, and uh, the overwhelming response just, has just has been so positive, <laughs> so positive, and I think people just, I mean, you know,
0: people like a bit of
1: space in their sounds sometimes, you know.
0: <laughs> Definitely, no, it was a really Beautiful experience, very intense. Even though it was stripped right yes, back, it was it was almost you could hear a pin drop at yeah. times, and it, and that was great. Everyone just yes. absolutely focused. But so. that's
1: that's heaviness in music. You know what I mean? That's that that's that's the point. That, that's the intention. It's not about volume or yeah. how many people are there. It's it's what the person wants to communicate. Absolutely. You
0: know? Yeah, that felt very pure. I yes.
1: Think. Yes. And everyone very communal yes, as well. Good. It's good this yeah. is wonderful
0: yeah yeah no amazing so talking of collaborations then are there is there anybody that you'd love to collaborate that you haven't collaborated with yet or even any future collaborations that you've got planned that you might be able to hint at or tell us about <laughs>
1: well I haven't I haven't got any future ones planned I have got um, I, I wrote recently two EPs and one was from Maria from Highland Maria France um, and it's recorded and ready to go we just need I need to work a little further on the mix of it, um, because I wanted to be perfect, and then there's a corresponding uh, male vocal EP, you like, uh, Lorenzo from Ork, oh, okay, who's an absolutely majestic baritone, <laughs> incredible singer. So it's been nice for me to, to, to do these kinds of things. Um, mainly, the, the people I would like to work with are people that uh, I know, and this is the funny thing because it's it's a it's more than the music, you know. So there's a there's a drummer called CME CME D who I'm desperate to collaborate with he's phenomenal you know but his schedule is very busy Uh, but we will one day do this and Alpesh Mahar, he's an absolutely wonderful um, Indian classical musician and working with him would be really superb again it's schedules and locations Um, but to collaborate with people I need I I really feel I need to know them you know Um, and then we can see what piece of magic can happen you know
0: (laughs) Yeah, build a relationship yes, and then work work yes, with that. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess you just mentioned there's two EPs. Mm. So I was just going to ask, sort of generally, what's next? Do you do you have a vague release date or anything planned for them, or does it all depend on? I'm
1: not. I'm not absolutely sure what we'll do. You see, because um, the the I think that left uh, the male vocal EP will be out. The first one will be out. Um, I would like to sort out. Uh, we've been having these plans actually in the van. I'd like to sort out um, a headline to. Not that yeah. I want to do it in spaces where the maximum is 50 people and oh we can wow all sit very sit, we intimate. can chat yeah yeah yeah, yeah. exactly and, and and it can have the nice lights and the nice PA but it's not about it's the connection that's yes. what I miss so much and that's the one thing that I took for granted I didn't realise when all the concerts went away so that's what I want to, to celebrate now so I'm in the, I'm just in the throes of writing my next solo cello or, or as in like Exile from Five Incantations you know so the a, a, a me album um, yes and then I guess I'll just finish that you know so it takes me ages Duncan to write you know <laughs> but, but it, you know I try to make it as good as it can be and and then maybe I make a little tiny tour you know we'll see yeah, that yeah.
0: so that'll be a solo tour then I'd presumably. like to yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: yeah I mean yeah. I had one booked in 2020 but obviously that never happened and yeah. so far we haven't rescheduled it but I would like now I feel it's right to try to do that
0: so yeah. Yeah, fantastic. Um, so, Tangent, where we are, um, is there anybody that you're going to be able to check out today? Um, anyone that you're looking forward to seeing? I don't know how much you're going to oh get a chance God, for that.
1: There's loads. I mean, actually, I'd have liked to have been here for the whole weekend. Yeah, sure. You know, so I missed, um, with yesterday, Caspian and Mono because we were stuck in a seven-hour traffic jam. Mm, wow, <laughs> um, yeah. And there's plenty of absolutely brilliant people today as well. And I think I'm going to... Um, have something to eat and then wander about and then find all the people that I want to see and then I will play again with Emma uh, a little later on her for her set um, so we are on a tour so the thing is it's unlikely that anybody's going to be layering it up at one o'clock in the morning because we've got to drive the next day yeah. <laughs> but I think of this festival is it doesn't matter whether you do or do not know the artists because you can trust the curation and this is so important you know and I think that's why it's really such a jewel of a festival you know
0: people trust I, I agree with that yeah I've, I've checked out quite a few artists that I haven't hadn't heard before yes. and it's been introduced to so, so many great bands and yes. um, yeah so yeah absolutely it's a brilliant festival and somehow the music's actually very diverse but somehow it all just works together I like, agree you know yeah, what I mean yeah
1: yeah it's very very so, clever programming isn't
0: yeah, it yeah. totally is totally is <laughs> right well joe um that is just about it so it's been absolutely lovely to chat to you um oh, love the set um yeah it's been a fantastic um, atmosphere for your set and everything like that um so all the best for the rest of your tour and for the eps and all your thank future you. projects thank you doug it's a
1: pleasure to chat thank you so much for making the time to chat <laughs> This has been another episode of the Ghost Quote Magazine Podcast. Check us out at ghostcoatmag.com and follow our socials at Ghost Coat Mag. Until the next time, peace.